Friends, we want to thank you for taking the time to listen to The Cutting Room Floor. Our hope is that through this ministry, you can find the transforming power of Jesus in the new year. We also want you to share that transforming power with others. Would you click the subscribe button so you get episodes when they drop? Then, would you also pray about who God might be calling you to share this with this year? We're so glad we're a part of your faith journey, and now to today's episode. Welcome to the CCUPC Cutting Room Floor, where we try to connect Sunday to the weekday. I'm Pastor James. And I'm Pastor Dina. And this week, we're taking a deeper dive into Mark 6. Mark 6 presents us with three stories, which seem to have little to do with one another. The first is Jesus being rejected in his hometown. The second is Jesus sending out the 12. And the third is the beheading of John the Baptist. We are back into the sunny and rosy stories (laughs) of the Bible. Um. Pastor Dina, I firmly believe that Mark actually had a purpose in writing these things. Yeah. Like he was not just throwing like, oh, let's yeah, throw in a little of these this. Things is not like the other. Yes, exactly. He was not just like throwing like, okay, he, he didn't have a storyboard and was like, oh, I'll just have these three left over. I'm yeah. just going to throw them together. Um, so I, I think there is a reason for these stories to be in such close connection to one another. My contention is that the unity is actually found in the identity of Jesus, uh, the relationship with Jesus, and in Jesus' authority. And I really harped on the authority side of things mm-hmm. um, and and kind of gave that two of those stories show how people were not under his authority for different reasons. But that third one, the, the, the disciples, bring together their understanding of Jesus his their relationship with him and his authority into what is supposed to actually happen mm-hmm. um uh but do you think do you think that lands do you think that that was actually a good stitching together of those yeah things? i do i think um i think we really start to see jesus we really start to see who jesus is and we we see the world around jesus start to really notice who he is the disciples as they're sent out um, and especially with the the um, John the Baptist interlude there, people are starting to notice like, wait, who is this guy? And and they're asking about his his authority. And Jesus is really starting to claim it for himself. And we see that especially where the passage starts in his hometown, um, him just really declaring who he is and what he's come to do, even if his hometown people can't see it. Yeah. 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 So so you don't think I just stitched these three together and came up with the biblical platypus? No. No. <laughs> no. Good. Yeah. Well, and and that was my hope. I mean, it really does um, you know, the hometown one strikes strikes a chord with me because uh I always thought kind of I'd end up back close to, but mm. but I'm not I I am fairly close, but I'm still not in the orbit of my hometown. Um yeah. and but I can see where that would be difficult. Yeah, and I think I mean I think everybody goes through it to some degree or another when when they've graduated from high school or gone to college and come home or experienced the world in a different way, experienced what the world has to offer outside of their hometown and then to come back and you know even in families we we don't really like when when people depart from the family way and the, the family the family tradition and think for themselves and start to develop their own thoughts and feelings. I mean, that that's so much a, a source of conflict between parents and kids. And I mean, even, uh, you know, we're not right in the midst of any holidays right now, but the, the holidays are not that too distant past where, you know, the memes yeah. and the, the eye rolling, like, oh, okay, got to go home to see my parents. Here are the list of 
things that we can't discuss while Uncle Bob's around the table, you know. <laughs> exactly, um, exactly. We don't deal well with people thinking for themselves and declaring who they are apart from who we've always known them to be. And that's really hard. Yeah, for sure. It, it, and and that's, you know, it, it happens not just in families, although it is something in therapy that's used. I don't know if you've ever heard of a genogram, but mm-hmm. it's basically family mapping to see where yeah. there are cyclical patterns that happen for mm-hmm. generations and generations. Um, and it happens. It happens in individuals and it happens in organizations as, t- as well. Yeah. We go through this this generational kind of, the, it's the sins of the fathers, mm-hmm. you know, that come back uh, yeah. to the third and the fourth generation. Yeah. And I had mentioned, we even see it on a cultural level too. And, you know, as we hear, as I think about all the the slams to the millennial generation that, that I've heard, um, you know, oh, millennials don't want to work as hard as as we do when they when someone has dared to say like oh maybe a 55 hour work week is not healthy um or you know all sorts of things but you know we as soon as someone starts thinking differently or asserting their own authority we brussel we brussel back against it and and that's what we're seeing um in jesus here and all connected back to that original question who is this who is this guy yeah and, and I mean, that can get into, that can be instructive then in issues of identity of ourselves as well, mm-hmm. because if, if Jesus's family couldn't see past the, the child that grew up and to see that he was the son of God, mm-hmm. uh, in those moments, they eventually do come to understand who he is. Yeah. But like that should be instructive for us as well, that it's, you know, we don't have to be bound because the only God sees what they are to become mm-hmm. uh, in in God declares that early on in Mark where he says this is my son whom I love mm-hmm. um, and uh, and so you know his family doesn't see it his family actually actively tries to stop him um, but it's it's through his relationship with God it's, it's in his prayer life with the father that his identity is formed in such a way that he is able to break from that from that that family system mm-hmm. and actually become who he is meant to be uh, in relationship to the father. So I think that's a good that's a good lesson for us mm-hmm. uh, as we realize, yes, we are we are part of a family, um, but we are re uh, what Pete Scazzaro would say is we are reparented in the family of God, mm-hmm. um, and so in a way that that helps us realize our um, what God has for His call on our life. So yeah, and that could be. That can cause some tension, too, as we try to honor our mother and our father, as we've been taught from the time we were small, and mm, honor yeah. who God is calling us to be and to grow up, but also remain connected. I mean, and I, I that's not unique to the church, but I feel like in the church, especially where there's, um, where we do want to honor our past and, and our parents and the, the church where we grew up, but also branch out, it, it can... It can cause some, some tension, some inner turmoil. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's funny. You remind me of actually something Todd Bolsinger said. Mm. Uh, Todd Bolsinger is a Presbyterian pastor, and he does a lot with with change. And he said, you know, it's funny because where he pastored, and I can't think of the church's name, it was out west, out in mm-hmm. California. Um, he said, you know, we want to introduce the godly love to the people we love, 
and bring them into a church that they will, as a result, love. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, the problem is when you do that, you come into conflict with people who have loved the church for a very long time mm-hmm. um, and have it and have loved the church in a particular way for a very long time. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, cause it would seem like, you know, the God we love, the people we love, bring them together. Perfect. What could yeah. be, what could, what could possibly go wrong? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so realizing <laughs> that, yeah, realizing that that is actually fraught with a lot of difficulty um, because I think, and we didn't talk about this, but I think that's where a lot of resistance as Christians comes in is like, we do functionally think that some things should be easier, um, but they, they actually get harder. And we, the, the reality is we should be real about those, mm-hmm. those issues of identity and about the church and so on and so forth. Um, which actually gets to a point we'll get to in a, in a you, I know you wanted to ask me, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of, of theological beliefs that you might not actually want to hold, but th- that yeah. may be for a few minutes here. But, um, what, one of the things that did get cut in all of this is that, um, as a result, you know, when, when we're caught between our, our identity here on earth as defined by our family and as I uh, defined by our profession and so on and so forth versus our identity in Christ, it gets into the question of where's our citizenship mm-hmm. and whether we have firmly lodged our identity and citizenship in heaven um, and operate out of that security or whether we are still trying to make an identity and a citizenship for ourselves here on earth and fit into that in some way, shape or form. Um, and I could have, gone quite away with that because Jesus Jesus's experience in his hometown like okay I get it at an intellectual level mm-hmm. but it, it, when I read that passage it actually still does create like tension within me because I can see this happening yeah, yeah. um and to me that it almost it's almost like that tension flags to me that I still have a tension as to where my my citizenship really is. Yeah. And I think, I think it's hard to be honest about that because of course the Sunday school answer is, you know, of course my citizenship is in heaven, but, but really that, you know, as we look at Jesus's authority and the way it's laid out and even laid out to the disciples. But like, if you look at our stewardship, does that show that our citizenship is in heaven? If you look at the way we spend our time, does that show that our citizenship is in heaven, the things we value, the things we long for. The way we interact with our friends. Right, right. When we're outside of the church setting. Yeah. Or strangers. I think, you know, I think on either either the most intimate people or the most yeah. the most distant people. But yeah. And I mean, I I assume I speak for everyone when I say we all have room to grow in that area. Yeah. Um, well, and I had written in my notes that, you know, an, an earthly citizenship is one that helps us fit in better. And mm-hmm. that's why I think about the way we interact with friends and so on. Yeah. Like if, if I'm thinking about, boy, I really want to be liked. Mm-hmm. I really want to be seen as, um, someone that these people want to invite back again or, mm-hmm. you know, whatnot. Um, gosh, I wish some of these things had gone away in middle school. Yeah, they don't. <laughs> they, I, I am convinced we just get stuck in middle school and never really progress. We just get ugh. better at hiding it. Ugh. Yeah. Well, so you you understand what I mean. Like mm-hmm. I have, you know, when I have those thoughts, like I, I'm not operating out of a, a of a, a heavenly citizenship mindset because yeah. um, I'm looking to fit into the world 
like it could because that's a and it's not because like oh i really want to get into like be of be in the world Mm -hmm. for them no it's because i want to be liked yeah yeah because being left out is one of the worst feelings ever (laughs) um i think i mean i i can't think of too many hurts middle school and otherwise that that are worse than being left out um and so yeah it is it's hard as we as we balance all that and then i think that relates to one of the sticking points and the idea of what does authority mean and what does it mean to to be a citizen of heaven and to hold things that that are difficult to hold things that we might not want to um you know and i'm thinking you know i'm thinking some of the the less popular positions on less culturally popular popular positions especially on the exclusivity of christ i mean that's (laughs) that's one that's really hard to hold and because you know in my heart like like i said being left out is the worst so in my heart i want everyone to be included i want everyone to be to be welcome and and i want everyone to know god's love and so it's really hard to think of people not being connected to well, that. Well, that's that's a fantastic example because, I mean, we, we do. We put those things together. Well, if God is all loving mm-hmm. and God is all powerful, then why would he ever... Exclude people. Exclude people. Um, and we, we go through those and we're like, well, then, then the God of the Bible must not be actually that loving and mm-hmm. so must actually not be who God is or whatnot. But, you know, we've been, you know, even in our movies, Disney back in the 90s i think it was all dogs go to heaven mm-hmm. yeah. like we want that to be true yeah and and it's uncomfortable to to read the scriptures that that point to the fact that that might not be true um and and to try and and balance that and to to hold that and and that, I mean, that's certainly not the only position, but really there are other things that we hold in tension or, you know, in question with no problem, you know, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, the doctrine of the Trinity. You can't, you can't rationalize that no matter which way you slice it. It's three and one and one and three and, yeah. and you know, it makes the youth group heads, the youth group kids heads spin around when I try to explain it. But we don't, because it's not something we struggle with, we just say, okay, well, this is a mystery we just don't get. And, and move on. Right. Um, but there are other things that are just really hard. In, to in that, do that sense, actually, um, actually, Muslim theologians tend to be, in a certain sense, a little bit more honest. Bear with me on that term for, mm-hmm. for just a second, because they generally have that uh, a reservation about the doctrine of the Trinity. That tends to be a sticking point for Muslims because they're like, no, you can't have it both ways. Yeah. You're actually polytheistic. Um, and so it's, you know, in that sense, they, they bring the, the, the wrestling out into the open in a way that a lot of Christian traditions don't, we've, we, we accept it. Mm-hmm. Um, and perhaps uncritically, uh, and I don't mean that to say that the doctrine of the Trinity is wrong. I, I, I'm fully Trinitarian. Yeah. Just that, that we don't really wrestle with it in a way that perhaps others do. Mm-hmm. Um, and to, to tr- tease out then the implications of what does it mean that God is three in one? Yeah. Um, there's unity in, in the, in the threeness. Yeah. And it's not modalism and it's not this heresy and that heresy that, that somehow it's beyond any kind of language we could use because everything we 
can say ultimately breaks down. And if you're wondering about a discussion of this, look up Lutheran satires, St. Patrick's Bad Analogies. Oh, it's great. It is. And that'll explain all the ways you can get the Trinity wrong. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Patrick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fun, a fun way to spend, what, like seven or eight minutes. Yeah, so. exactly. It's a good time. Exactly. But yeah, so, I mean, that's one of them. I mean, human sexuality is one of the ones that is probably least popular. Yeah. I can't even say least popular. It is probably the most despised doctrine, Christian doctrine at this point. Yeah. Um, because of our cultural milieu, our, because of the way that we want there to be, the way that we have put diversity is in, in an end in and of itself um, and some other things. I couldn't even go into the full explanation here. I'm not going to do it justice, um, but it is one of the, probably one of the most despised Christian doctrines right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we see all sorts of different opinions and, and thoughts and churches coming out in different places. And, and again, it's, I think part of the, the struggle, at least in my head, part of the struggle is that it's not just one doctrine by itself, but how do you balance what scripture says about hum, human sexuality and what Jesus says about loving people? And yeah. we, I think, you know, as we think about Jesus's authority, we have to think about where our authority is in the midst of that. Like, yeah. it, you know, is it is it my job to correct people or to make statements do I not do I you know and and I'm not saying one or the other it I think it's I think to me that's one of those hard places like where do I where does Jesus's authority in my life translate into what I how I should outwardly interact with people who might be living differently or saying things or doing things differently than than I might think that they are called to. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you that this is one of those places where I hold a doctrine I don't like. Mm. Um, uh, so uh, I think you know, uh, I think I've mentioned before, I started out in music school. Mm -hmm. Like I wanted, I wanted to be a band director. Mm -hmm. I wanted I wanted to do marching band. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. I was nerd among the nerds. Nice. Um, and so, you know, going to music school, I went to uh, YSU's Dana School of Music, which apparently is going through a funding cut and make it, it make it shut down. So, um, <laughs> here's the here's my support for you, Dana. We we're, we hope uh, Dana School of Music is still around. But uh, and then I went to the Baldwin Wallace College Conservatory of Music, mm. um, and so uh, you know, and everything that being in a music school entails. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, Saturday nights I was invited to go watch Queers Folk with with other guys. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, really wonderful people. Yeah. Um, and, uh, guys that I think about, you know, and wonder how they're doing these days and gosh, I, it would be so much easier to just say what the world is saying and say, you know what? It's right. Mm -hmm. it's, it just all gets covered. But every time I have gone to the scriptures and read them and looked at the exegesis and looked at the counter exegesis. Mm -hmm. I just can't get to that point. And so it's it's almost like I'm saying, you know, it sucks, but I have to yeah. accept this. Yeah. Yeah, I totally get it. And and I think part of this struggle is that that we are dependent so much on exegesis and counter exegesis and because 
the same, and I know, I mean, all these arguments, a lot of the arguments that are applied in the human sexuality, um, in the human sexuality discussions can also be applied to women in ministry. Like if you're going on a straight, the words of scripture, then, then I shouldn't be in the position I'm in. And yet when you look at, at all that's going on, on around, you know, culturally and, and other scriptures, then, then you can make a case for women in ministry. And, and I know I've seen that on, on both sides of the human sexuality debate and, and discussion. Um, and to some degree, we're just so dependent on external stuff. In some ways, it makes it hard to know what what is even what's even real anymore. Like, where yeah. is the authority Correct. in the midst of it? Um, we, we we default to Pilate. We ask the yeah. question, "What is truth?" Yeah, yeah. And and I have noticed that throughout our world over the last four years, for sure. I mean, especially during COVID, but never. Never before can I remember thinking, what in the world is going on and where can I even go to figure it out because I can't, I can't trust the media and I can't trust the internet articles and I can't trust, like, you know, the medical community was divided over COVID and, you know, all these, all these things. And you think, where do I even go to figure out what is truth? Yeah. And, and, and then again, I think too, then you go back to this idea of where's my citizen, citizenship? If I wanted to be in heaven, which I do, um, then okay. Then what does that reveal to me? And and what does Jesus reveal to me? And and this is maybe this is how I should move forward in the midst of this. Even you know setting aside all of the media, all of the the different differing opinions on masking or no masking, masking vaccines or no vaccines. It's, is it a hoax? Is it real? Whatever. Um, but if my citizenship is in heaven and and these are the things Jesus revealed to me. Then how is that going to make me move move through life and this crisis and whatever crisis will come afterwards? Yeah, uh, I think that, uh, right now would be a good plug for um, if if you're interested in exploring difficult topics in an intellectually rigorous way um, with someone who is going to just ask questions. Um, let me recommend, and and Pastor Dina, you may recommend this one as well, uh, the Theology in the Raw podcast mm-hmm. with uh, Dr. Preston Sprinkle. Um, uh, strange name, but it, yeah. it, I, I did say it, Preston Sprinkle. Um, but he does a fantastic job of exploring really, really thorny issues. Yeah. Um, and he, um, you know, he makes no, like, he, he, he makes it clear where he stands, but he is willing to explore the other perspectives and really try to get the root to the root of what some issues are and, mm-hmm. and just does a really, um, he has a lot of integrity in the way he explores the issues. Yeah. His, his, there was a brief series and I haven't gone back to look to see if there've been any additions. Um, but starting in the fall when, um, when the war between Israel and Palestine really heated up. I really mm, appreciated yeah. the um, the perspectives he brought in. He brought in a, a, a Jew, a Christian, a Palestinian, um, and and had multiple voices in a very respectful um, and and as you said, intellectually rigorous kind of way. That said, it's still pretty accessible. You don't have to yes. have a master's yeah. degree to follow along. Um, that said, it's not just 
fluff, you know. Um, so, so yeah, and and I think I think that's what's what's asked us to be to know we're not going to get it right. There are mysteries of the faith. There are different differences of exegesis where you know there can be equally good scholarship on both sides of an issue, and they just come out in different places. And you know, at some point, and I remember. I remember in seminary we had a, a Jewish rabbi come in and, and the discussion was was about salvation and about the exclusivity of Christ and, and where the Jews fit into the promise of God. Um, do, you know, did that promise get wiped out with Jesus? Are, are the Jews still included in the people of God? And um, I'm probably not even saying it altogether right. But, you know, his point was, you know, at some point in the history of the world, one group is going to have to look at the other and say, oops, we were wrong. And we don't know where it's going to come out. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that we have to war with each other the whole way there. That, you know, that that can we hold these different differing positions and still work together. And I have seen that work beautifully in different areas of my life um, that, you know, bringing together diverse groups of thoughts and positions and theologies and and still pulling off great things for the kingdom of god mm, and yeah um in some ways to me it's it's really helpful and hopeful because if you know if someone were to come to me with a question or a position that i just couldn't support chances are i know someone in my my circles that i could say you know this is not i i can't I can't be with you on this, but I know someone who can and yeah. whom I love and respect. Um, and so why don't you check them out? Why don't you, um, why don't you chat with them and, and see if, if they can be for you who you need in this moment? Yeah, it's, it's, I think to, to circle back, I mean, we can get tripped up in the, in the issues, but at the end of the day, I, I, I think what we have to realize is this side of heaven we may have to hold on to theological positions that we don't like mm -hmm. because when we bring our lives under the authority of scripture to the best of our ability there are going to be things that we we understand uh, that we understand and agree with and are like yay rah mm -hmm. but there are going to be some things that Jesus does that we go boy do i really have to yeah do i really have to yeah um and uh, some of those things are very highly charged, like mm -hmm. human sexuality, yeah. um, like the exclusivity of Christ. Some of them are not as highly charged, but there mm -hmm. are still theological issues, such as the the sending of the church, yeah, um, the Great Commission, which yeah. which functionally turns into the Great uh, Slow Mission or the Great No Mission yeah. in in many churches, um, and and you know there's less emotional there's less heat in the system about that but they are still doctrinal issues that that people may just say mm, i don't necessarily agree with it and i'm just not going to 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 do it rather than saying boy jesus does a lot of sending yeah not just at matthew 28 but he sends people out on mission while he's still alive and he he calls for the expansion of the kingdom yeah yeah and and i think some of the some of the things that we struggle with we we just don't see the heat because they've been debated and and wrestled with for so long and you know communion comes to mind people people died over 
the doctrine of communion. And today we're amazing? just like, yeah. And today we're just like, yeah, yeah, well, we do it this way. And the Lutherans do it that way. And the Catholics do it that way. No big deal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, but like actual bloodshed over these things. And um, yeah. And, and I think that's, that's part of it is we hold these things in tension. We, we do, we, we again go back to where is our citizenship and who is, we've got to be careful with that phrase, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, going back and, and saying, okay, well, no matter where I stand on, on something, no matter what position I hold, who is Jesus calling me to be? And how is Jesus calling me to, to interact in the event that we do someday have to face someone and say, oops, I was wrong, you know. <laughs> when um, we have to face them. Yeah, yeah, because we haven't gotten it all right. And, you know, and on the flip side, having someone look at us and say, oops, I was wrong. Um, and I, I think this is where, because I, I, I think when we have those tensions, the temptation is to just say, I'm going to be done with it all. Mm-hmm. Like it's easier to just not believe if it's going to create this sort of friction within inside, within me, mm-hmm. inside of me, um, and and my encouragement would be, don't let the friction tell you that necessarily something is wrong with the object of faith, mm-hmm. as much as it's wrong with the the person viewing the object of faith or and that's uh, yeah i realize i just said that some, there's something wrong with you but uh, <laughs> but there's something wrong with this world yeah and so our vision isn't going to be perfect and and paul addresses that in corinthians when he says that that now we know in part then we will know fully mm-hmm. like there's going to be tension there's going to be friction don't let it overcome just like the 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 man who wanted to believe Mm-hmm. that Jesus could heal, you know, I believe, help my unbelief. Yeah. Um, and understand that those things are a natural part of a fallen order. Yeah. Um, and so if you have friction, you're actually probably doing something right. Yeah. Whereas if you have absolutely zero friction whatsoever, ooh. Yeah. I would be concerned. Yeah. I mean, because to me that that seems more... Like the Pharisees, like, okay, here are the very clear cut things and, you know, do not depart from them. And that's not the kind of faith we've been given, um, that we, that, that loving other people is messy, that, yeah, that is. loving your neighbor and loving your enemy and loving those who persecute you and being all the things that the Beatitudes tell us to be, that is messy and it is hard. And we, we do balance all those things with withholding to what what we believe scripture is communicating and and what the witness of the church throughout the year the the years the generations have is communicating and um and also the uncertainty of not knowing another's heart and another's faith and another's experience of god in the midst of that um that yeah, that that to to sit in a place where we kind of don't know anything anyway, in some ways makes it a little bit easier, and and in a lot of ways makes it harder too. As we say, you know, these are mysteries, these are things I don't understand, these are difficult, hard sayings of of the faith, and I just don't know what to do with that, um, and yet. I'm going to do my best to be faithful to, with the way 
God is leading me in this in this time. Yeah. And I don't think, you know, just to be clear, I don't think no matter where you are in, on any issue, you know, especially the exclusivity of Christ or human sexuality that gives you the the opportunity to or the the right to shame other people or to treat them poorly um, or to to try and manipulate them into something that that they're not being led to. Um, in fact, I think that's that does more harm to the gospel than anything else. But yeah. Um, and, and so again, it, you know, it's all these, you know, holding to standards, but also loving other people. And, and, you know, the, the number of issues that apply to that are myriad. We just pick some to highlight more than others. Um, and it's a really hard, hard place to be. And yet we see Jesus love people, even the people who weren't living in the way that, he would call and that Paul would later call them to, um, we saw him loving them so well. And so as we, as we wrestle with this tension, that's where I keep coming back to that, you know, my job is to love other people and to, um, and to be the best example of Christ that I can. And then let, let them work out where they feel the Holy spirit in their life in terms of their own salvation or how they're living their life. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's difficult because we can, um, you know, and and this is where we follow Jesus, and we can we can rely on the wisdom of the the tradition of the church, and so on and so forth. And um, uh, you know, it's we can look at Jesus and remember that he was full of grace and truth. Mm -hmm. Um, and sorry, I w- it took me a second to get around to that, <laughs> but that, 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 and I think that's what you're saying is that mm-hmm. we, we can hold these things, but we can also hold them in, in, in a gracious manner. Yeah. Um, that, you know, that reflects when Jesus says to, um, his disciples by this, all, all people will know that, that you are my disciples. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll know you by your love Mm -hmm. for one another. And, um, you know, that's, that's a great lesson for the church right now where it seems to be very much in vogue, not only to, to kind of shame when there's a difference of theology, uh, but to bring that argument out into the public and to publicly bash the church. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, If you want examples of that, just Google the he gets us campaign and oh oh man, both sides are just acting terribly about the whole thing. So yes, it's, terrible absolutely and this is why people are turning away from the church yeah um and and so how do we how do we hold on to the truth while having the grace of jesus christ yeah um and that's that's my hope um uh even as i hold things that i can wholeheartedly believe wholeheartedly um support and hold things that that say that i say lord i wish it were another way Mm -hmm. um but in the end, not my will, but yours be done. Yeah. Um, and, and let me, let me love others as you have loved me. Um, warts and all. Yeah. So. Yeah. This is a, this was a, a, a difficult one. I mean, this is. It really was. And, and again, it was such a long passage and yeah. because of the way we traditionally 
study these passages, we don't often connect them. You know, it's kind of like, all right, Jesus is at his hometown. Now, switch switch scenes, John the Baptist. Now, yeah. switch scenes, disciples are being sent out. And, and so to connect them together, again, gives a bigger picture. And, and I do encourage people to read their whole Bible in large swaths and not... Um, for a time of study, I mean, there's definitely a time to dig into each individual story and find the the meaning of each little part of it. And that's beautiful and fun and wonderful um, when you can connect the little details. But lately, I've really been noticing that that looking in large chunks really helps me to connect in ways that I hadn't before or hadn't haven't in a long time, the whole of of Jesus and his authority and who he was and who he's calling other people to be when you're when you're just looking at individual passages it's it's easy to pick out it makes it easier to pick out the lesson or the moral of each one but then when you string them all together you have a bunch of different directions to go and looking in a broad looking in a broad scope really kind of helps to get a bigger picture of jesus and and really what it means to have to be under Jesus's authority and to be a citizen of heaven. Yeah. Wow. Well, th- thanks for the discussion on this today. Um, yeah. I know it's long overdue. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll be catching up on some episodes We're here. We're trying. Yeah, we are. It's been wild in the church office lately. It, it has been in a good wild. Um, yeah. So, but, uh, you know, hopefully this encourages you to really, if you have doubts in the faith to say, Maybe I'm not as far off as I thought I was. Yeah. Uh, and if things are, if things feel a, um, if things feel a little, um, you know, some t- cognitive dissonance where my faith is supposed to be something that that strengthens me, and yet I have questions about this, that we can we can actually deal with those tensions a little bit and say it's okay this side of heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, and I look forward to the day that we're that we see Christ face to face, and hopefully, some of these things that we thought were so important will just dissolve into the light of His glory. Yeah, I am sure. Yeah. Yep. I still want to know why mosquitoes, though. Yeah. Yeah. Really. And Unnecessary. Sp- spiders. Ugh. Ticks. Mm-mm. Don't know why he thought that was a good idea. No. Anyway, <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for the conversation, Pastor Dina. Um, you know, uh, we really do hope this helps you connect Sunday to the weekday. Uh, we look forward to some, fortu- some future uh, conversations here. But until next time, I'm Pastor James. And I'm Pastor Dina. And we hope this helps you connect Sunday to the weekday.